Hey, people, I know, I know, I said when I got home, I'm going to put things out weekly. But guess what? Life be crazy. I can't believe that I've been back in Scotland a month. How's it been? It's been pretty fucking challenging, to tell you the truth. Um, it's weird. You know, it's, it's like up until the moment I thought, up until the moment I got home, I thought, oh, I've been away for ages. And within a few days, it's like, it's like you've hardly been away after 18 months. Um, and it's weird to see how quickly old patterns of thinking and behavior creep in when you're in familiar ground. So... It's been amazing seeing my friends, of course. Seeing my parents has been both enjoyable and at times uh, offers its own challenges. And overall, there's lots of great things about being home. But I kind of miss the sense of adventure. Anyway, today's show... A few episodes ago, we spoke to Richard Lucas, and after I had that recording, I suggested Tam, the leader of the Scottish Libertarian Party, and also sometime co-host of this show, as a guest for Richard's show, and Richard had him. And they had another interesting talk about Ukraine, non-interventionism in general, and I guess a smorgasbord of other topics. It's nice to hear us speaking to people who disagree with us. So I really hope you enjoy this show. I'm including it as episode 205 of the Scottish Liberty podcast. Now, as usual, I've got a couple of news items just to talk about. These are issues that have come up before, but they've been back in the news again this week. The first one is the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child. Now, this is an issue that you're probably thinking you've never heard anyone else talk about this apart from myself, from this sort of perspective. Because as far as the Scottish Parliament's concerned, the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child is just a political football. The SNP used it to say, look, the Westminster government won't let us implement it into Scots law. That just shows how we should be independent. Whereas the unionist parties are saying, oh, you know, you know it's, it's not a problem. Yes, we can. And, you know, and they talk about it. it's just a political fo football about the Constitution. What not a single MSP has expressed any insight into whatsoever is what difference this is actually going to make uh, in Scotland. And the answer is the difference it makes is it hands power over to the United Nations. You're basically saying, United Nations, you can just set the law for us in all sorts of different areas. For example, the United Nations Convention of the Rights of the Child says that abortion has to be legal in your country. It says that you have to have a smacking ban. It says that you have to have hate speech legislation. So it's not just passing a law. It's, all, it's handing over lawmaking power to the United Nations. And also the, the ethos around the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, it undermines parental authority and it replaces it with experts, professionals. So it pushes out parents and gives power and influence to professionals. I could talk about that lots more. So it's a very, very serious issue. A very serious step being made in Scotland. And yet, as I say, not a single MSP seems to understand the first thing about the dangers about it and the issues 
that are involved. Now, if you're thinking maybe, you know, this is just some strange thing that I've dreamt up, and the reason no one else talks about it, uh, having any problems with it is that there actually aren't any, and I'm just imagining them. If you look at, like, international commentary on this issue, there's plenty of academics and campaigners saying, no, th this is a problem. This undermines the rights of parents. It separate, drives a wedge between children and their parents. So, th so this is very well known in academic circles, but in Scotland, completely ignored, and it's just a, just a constitutional football. Well, that's one issue. That's come back into the news this week, various legal wranglings about it. And the other issue that's reared its head again is the equal pay claims in Glasgow. Now, do you remember this story? So what happened is decades ago, some uh, women in Glasgow, they decided they wanted a job. So they looked at the jobs available, and there were jobs like grave digger, uh, you know, uh, working in parks or whatever. And there were jobs like dinner lady or school cleaner. Um, and what happened, and they had different rates of pay. And these ladies, for whatever reason, they decided they would apply to be a dinner lady or a school cleaner rather than, for example, a grave digger. <clears throat> and maybe they didn't want to work outdoors. Maybe they didn't, didn't want to get dirty or whatever. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they decided those were the jobs they wanted to apply for. And they're the jobs they got. Then they worked in those jobs for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years. And then some clever lawyer came along and said, you've been discriminated against. You should have been paid the same as the grave diggers because they're both equal jobs, even though they're not the same job, they're different jobs, but they should have been paid the same. So the principle is that men and women should be paid the same for doing different jobs. Now, I know, it's, I know that's ridiculous, but that's the way the law works now. And so a, a large group of, of women sued the council on the basis of this and were successful. And they won, I think it was about half a billion pounds. So about a third of the council's annual budget a third of its annual budget, I think roughly equal to its education budget for a whole year. All the schools in Glasgow for a whole year, the cost of that was what was paid out uh, to these women. Uh, Glasgow had to sell some uh, artworks. They ha they've had to sell some of their leisure facilities. The museums, sorry, the buildings that some of their museums are in have had to be sold. And Glasgow City Council is now renting them back of their private owners. So a massive financial disaster for Glasgow City Council. All the politicians, by the way, were right behind the women because they thought that's where the votes were. I mean, justice, preserving public services, none of them are interested in that. They were right behind the women because there's lots of them. So they thought that would be popular. Now I thought that story was finished, but oh no. I mean, they're at it again. This is still an ongoing issue. It seems to be now the Glasgow City Council tried to put steps in measures in place to try and equalize the pay for these jobs but because it took them a little while to do it there's now a claim um for during that time when they were trying to make the changes and, and even things up uh, so there's i mean who knows how many more hundreds of millions of pounds might be paid out so which political party is interested in defending public services and is interested in council finances. Well, the Scottish Parliament, when it comes to this, none of them, none of them are willing to stand up for justice and public services in Glasgow because they think it will be unpopular with too many people. And also the equal pay claim, obviously that's, you know, it's got the word equal in it. It's a bit of a feminist cause, so no one will stand up against it. But as the Scottish Family Party, it's just wrong.
it's just wrong. It's, it, there is no injustice to correct. And the fact that these women have been able to claim hundreds of millions of pounds from the council and leave the council on its knees financially is just, just not right. That then I wonder how many of these same people are then going to be saying, oh, the local library's closed. Oh, I wish they spend money on that. I wish they spend more money on the, on the other. Uh, well, they need to put two and two together. You can't have your cake and eat it, as the saying goes. Anyway, that's a couple of uh, couple of snippets from the news this week. Right, it's now time to welcome our special guest, who is Tam Laird, who is the leader of a rival party. We sometimes have people from uh, from rival parties on this uh, show. He's from he's the leader of the Scottish Libertarian Party. Now, I've met Tam uh, briefly socially, but we've never had a, a long chat. So I'm looking forward to a chat tonight. So. Welcome to the show. Uh, good evening, Richard, and thank you very much for asking me on. This is an historic occasion. Two great leaders of two vast uh, populist movements uh, finally together, head to head in detente. Yeah. Uh... This is the future. I mean, give it a few years. This is going to be taking place in the in the Scottish Parliament when Tam is the, is the leader <laughs> of the opposition. Indeed. So the, so the two stories are spoke about that what, what's your take on those the equal pay in particular well on the equal pay thing i i, I recall something similar happening as the walmart uh, where mm. the ladies uh, decided you know, the ladies who worked in the shop front decided that you know they, they didn't like the fact that the guys who were working in the warehouse were getting a higher pay and they took that to court and i don't know what the, the end result of that was this one i've been aware of for a long time and there's similar cases going on around about the country um i think Part of the problem is some genius decided that dinner ladies and, uh, for example, bin men, or sorry, sanitary engineers, uh, were on the same pay grade. And as soon as you say that, you're on the same pay grade, then that implies that you should be on an equal pay. But it's absurd in the sense that you know, anybody who thinks that, you know, working in a nice warm kitchen, you know, uh, Put, you know, you, you might get burnt with custard, hot custard, I suppose, uh, and and working sociable, relatively sociable hours, five days a week, and then working in a job that entails getting up in un, unsociable hours, uh, terrible weather conditions, and if you look at somebody like a, a bin man, that that's that's a, or bin woman, if you get many of them, that's actually quite a dangerous job. Not people, not a lot of people realise how dangerous that can be. There's needles, mm -hmm. there's bloods, there's effluent, there's batteries that can explode in your face. There's all those sort of things that you've got to deal with. Um, and I think you're entitled to be paid a little bit more for doing that than working in the yeah. kitchen. And now I can hear the ladies screaming at the screen, you're not valuing women's work, is, uh, is, what, is what they would probably say. And I, I guess I'm not. I think to, to equate uh, two totally different jobs and uh, pay them accordingly, uh, it's uh, yeah. it, it's absurd, but I think but, the absurdity comes about partly because it is a public service, and when it's a public service, um, it's just a license to spend taxpayers' money stupidly. Yeah, yeah. But I think we talk about women's work. It's the work that women have generally chosen. Yeah, isn't it? that's, what, that's what I meant to say. That there's some sort of uh, restriction. I mean, what's going to happen here? Is it, are we going to end up with a situation where they can't get people to be grave diggers or bin men? That because, that would seem logical. The, uh -huh. Yeah, if you if you create a market in which you know 
two jobs are paid equally and one's easier than the other, then you're going to have a lack of applicants and a, and a glut of applicants uh, for the other. Yeah. So yeah. that's exactly what's going to happen. And not only that, you could, the guys who are currently doing these horrible jobs are going to say, well, why am I doing that? I'll just jack this in and try and get myself a job uh, that's equally paid, but you know, less hassle. The other question I've had with this, that I probably should have done some, I did a bit of research, I couldn't find the answer. Let's say you were a man who chose to be a school cleaner yeah. 30 years ago. Okay, fine. Do they now get a payout? I, I would reckon they would have to if it's truly about equality, and uh, you know the, the, that 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 would seem fair. I, but I, I would what imagine. Basis? So, what about somebody who just identifies as a as a as a woman, or, or oh, identifies no. <laughs> as a or identifies as a school cleaner? You know, even though they're not. If you think about this man, though, the man works as a school cleaner for thirty years. Yeah. On what basis is he being given this extra money? Because there's there's no sex discrimination case with him. So no. on what basis is he getting it? Just on a, on a pure discrimination case that you know he's been paid uh, he's been paid less money uh, on the grounds that they haven't valued his work the same as somebody else's. You know that's not equality. You know it's no, got to be like, it's got to be, like it's, it's got to be like Cuba. You know where surgeons are paid the same as you know bellboys uh -huh. and taxi drivers. You know, but but the re it's gender is the reason. Yeah, if, if there was no gender issue, it wouldn't be there. Well, that'll just encourage the bloke to uh, to definitely identify as a woman then, and then that solves that yeah, one. You, you know, as, as you know, Rich, come on, catch up. That sex you're, you're is different from gender. You yeah, know? <laughs> you haven't heard. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know that's just a, it's a bizarre story, and it's, again, it's like one of so many things. Yeah. You think how is this not a massive political controversy in Scotland? Well, I think um, you put your finger on it. You know, there's votes in it. You know, uh -huh. the, the more free stuff, and the, the more you you promise to take. You know. Somebody once said that any, anybody who promises to rob Peter uh, to pay Paul um, can automatically, you know, rely on their on the, on the support of Peter. You know, <laughs> sorry, mm -hmm. re, re, the support of Paul. Uh, so that that's what that's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I heard a statistic a while ago that the percentage of the Scottish population who pay more in tax than they use in public services is. Do you know this figure? Do you want to have a guess? Uh, that surprise me. Seventeen percent. Right. Okay. Right. Seventeen. Uh, I'm sorry, you've got to take into account children and retired people and whatever. Yeah. But seventeen percent. Well, remember, Scotland has a huge public sector as well. Uh -huh. So, and and then added on to the public sector, you have then tertiary, uh, you know, uh, secondary and tertiary companies that are attached to the public sector so mm -hmm. there's very few people out there actually making private sector money with which to pay all of these wonderful things that, that people want for free yeah uh-huh yeah yeah right so let's move on to the first topic on our agenda we're not being very original here there's the topic that everyone's talking about at the moment um which is the situation with russia and ukraine i've seen a little bit on twitter uh, from the Scottish Libertarian yeah. Party. I don't know if that was your uh, your output or not. But it gave you a flavour of yeah. the, the thing. So, what's your take in terms of the issue itself and how we should be responding to it? The issue itself is an issue between Russia and its former protectorate colony, whatever you want to call it, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know exactly 
who is to blame? You can listen to Russia. It's no doubt that Vladimir Putin believes that he is in the right. I don't think he's sitting there going, ha, 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 I'm evil, right? He believes he's in the right. He believes that what he's doing is in the best interests of his nation and his country. And I think he honestly believes that he was under threat from an encroaching NATO uh, from the West onto, onto Russia's backyard. Regardless of who's in the right and then who's in the wrong in this issue, it is my view and the view of my party currently being non-interventionist that it has got no business whatsoever. To do, it's got nothing to do with the United Kingdom. We should not be involved as a country. However, if individuals wish to get involved like they did in the Spanish Civil War and join the international brigades, if you want to sabre-rattle and beat your chest and you know fight Russians, go to Ukraine, get on a uniform, pick up a weapon, you know, Get stuck in. Uh, it's entirely up to you. If you're not fit enough to do that, you can crowdfund and you can send money to the Ukraine or to Russia, whoever whoever it is that you, that you wish to, to support. It should be no business of the British taxpayer. It's not one. It's not worth one drop of British of British soldiers' blood, and it's not worth one penny of British taxpayers' money to be involved in this conflict. We've just come out of two years of, of lockdown and nonsense connected with it. The country is already bankrupt. We're in trillions of debt, which we don't seem to be in any condition to pay off. I don't see how it's to the benefit of the Scottish people. And at the end of the day, I'm the Scottish Libertarian Party, not the Ukrainian Libertarian Party. I don't see what the benefit is to the Scottish people of getting involved, which it looks like they're nudging us to do, in a conflict that doesn't concern us. So, so would you oppose sanctions even? I think sanctions are a prerequisite to war. So I would be cautious about that. If private companies wish to impose their own sanctions and no longer do business with Russia, that's entirely up to them. But I don't think it's the business of government to tell private companies who they can and cannot do business with. Okay, let's think about the scenario there. Let's say, I would, I would say Putin's ambitions are expansionist maybe within right. quite a, a limited sphere but it okay. is our expansion let's say we've got someone uh who's more of in the sort of hitler molds you know just just wanting a world domination that's going well to done. i wondered how long it would take to get to hitler but, uh -huh. <laughs> but so, someone like so somebody just, who's just going to attack nation after nation right and they want to expand their empire in every okay. direction and impose ruthless tyranny right so under your model would it just be that 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 um, aggressor would just face one nation at a time, and all the others would would well, stand aside while he picks up one at a time. To my knowledge, Putin threatens no territory of the United Kingdom or its protectorate. Not, to my knowledge, if you can tell me any different, then that's fine. Then it suddenly becomes our business, just like when Argentina invaded uh, the Falkland Islands. That's British sovereign territory. So, so did you approve of NATO? Of a military line, a defensive military line. No, I'm not NATO. in favor of NATO. Was conceived so that at the end of the day, America would never have to fight a war on its own its own soil. They could keep it confined to Europe. Um, I'm I'm not in favor of uh, being dragged into international alliances without my consent. It may have served a purpose. I'm a Cold War baby. Uh, I served as a part of the British Army of the Rhine, less than you know, ten miles away from 
hundreds of thousands of Warsaw Pact troops. If, if the balloon had have gone up back then, my life expectancy was at best hours, uh, at worst minutes. And they told us quite frankly then that we couldn't hold them. It was just a matter of you know slowing them up until the politicians could make a deal or whatever. I was a lot more confident in our ability to take them back then than I am. That's not just youthful exuberance than we are now. So even if we were, like, let's suppose that even if we decided that this fight was righteous and we should get involved, what in the name of God are we going to fight Russia with? Uh, I've had a look at our army recruiting video. I've had, a look, I've had a look at the American army's recruiting video. And I've had a look at the Russian army's recruiting video. They're recruiting killers, unashamed killers and patriots, uh, which is what you need in a war. Uh, we don't seem to be doing the same thing. So I doubt, our, our, even if we did, to had, I agreed it was a good thing to get involved, I doubt our, our ability to actually uh, have a good outcome out of it. But, um, but but back to your, your question about NATO, no, I, I'm not in favour of becoming, of, of, of countries joining up alliances like the United Nations or NATO or, or, or anything else. Um, let individuals join whatever they wish and subscribe to it. That's handing a lot of opportunity to the uh, to, to the evil imperialist then, to the to the the nation that is stronger than his neighbours well, and is intent on expanding. Okay, it, it could then so I, on your I, mark, I could just see, pick them off one at a time. I don't know that there's necessarily any evidence that Putin is hell bent and expanding globally or to the rest of Europe. You could make an argument about Poland. Um, I don't even know if he's if he wants the whole of Ukraine. I think he wants certain parts of it to remain. Yeah. Uh, just talk hypothetically. Just hypothetically. hypothetically. Hypothetically, unless it threatens your territory, um, I, I I don't. I'm not in favour of of getting involved. I'm right. in favour of defensive so, war, and sometimes you have to make an offensive move to, in, in defence. But Ukraine isn't it. For me, and it's certainly yeah, not just staying in the hypothetical, though. Okay. So, if you imagine you've got you know, a patchwork of of you know smallest medium countries, you've yeah. got another country that's much bigger and much stronger than any of them. Yeah. And it's basically going to expand, and it's going to pick these smaller countries off one at a yeah. time. Let's say it does one a year. Yeah. I mean, do you not think at some point the ones left should say, "We've got to unite and oppose this"? I know it's not our country. But we've got to unite and, and do something about this. No, I think it's best for nations to stick to their to their own uh, to their own business generally. Uh, um, but but so they can't defend themselves on that basis. They're finished. Then the, the aggressor wins, and that's the end game. <laughs> but he win, he wins what though? How, all empires break up eventually. Even the British Empire broke up. And you know, when it comes to aggressive going around the world conquering nations, we're not exactly our, our copybook's not exactly unblotted on that one, Richard. So I, I think that uh, hypothetically, I you look hypothetically, if you think it's a good idea to get involved in another country's business, there's nothing stopping you. You know, as I say, get on a boat, go to wherever you want to go, yeah, but... and, and pick up a weapon and fight. But so, to, so, so ultimately, yeah, uh, you're you're happy to see um, an empire advance by force to take no, over the country. Well, I'm okay, not you're, happy. you're willing you're willing to see it rather yeah. than to organise resist well, international resistance. Well, it all comes down to the bottom line: is what am I prepared to go to war with my neighbour over? And I'm not prepared to go to war with my neighbour over his disputes with his neighbours. 
<laughs> if he has a dispute with me and he threatens me directly, then there's that that's that's when it's it's my business. Uh-huh. Before that, in a, in a nation state as we have them at, at the moment, is it the business of government to make alliances? I don't believe so. Certainly not uh, with the, the the support of the people. Many of these alliances that our governments are involved in, I don't have any say in them. You know. So I don't think people should be compelled. Our sons and daughters should not be compelled by government uh, with the threat of going to jail or anything else to go and fight for the sovereignty of another nation. Hell, we won't even fight for the sovereignty of our own nation, never mind the sovereignty of somebody else's. So we, we could go down the hypothetical road and there may be at some point where I would say, OK, let's get involved. But it's not Ukraine. It definitely is not Ukraine. And it's not this fight. We can't right. afford it for a start, Richard. Oh, but we'll come to that. I would say, in terms of the hypothetical, I think the concept of, of nations uniting in order to fight off a threat that individually uh, they, they couldn't withstand, I think that's perfectly reasonable. In fact, I would even say it's um, a, a moral duty in some circumstances to come to the aid of, uh, of other nations. Uh well, again, as long as you don't compel uh, other people to join in your crusade, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy well, for no, you. That, that's, that's part of what a nation is. A nation is a collective. A nation is a collective. Well, a nation you, you know that you know that we libertarians are not very big on collectives. You know, certainly ones uh -huh. that are certainly ones that are coerced or are forced upon you. You know, at the end of the day, my parents just had sex here. You know, that, that's how I'm, it's an accident of birth that I happen to be Scottish. You know, it could, it could have been anywhere else. So I don't think that just because I was born here, I should suddenly be compelled to, uh, to, to, to support alliances and laws that had nothing to do with making it. So it's as absurd as me being born in Muirfield Golf Course. So I have to subscribe to their rules and regulations for the rest <laughs> of my life. Yeah. Well, let's, let's stick with that for a bit. National identity then. Yeah, I would argue that national identity serves a very important purpose. It may it, well do. It, it, it creates a, a sense of uh, unity and mutual commitment within, within a nation. And that right. results in people being willing to make sacrifices for each other. And that's a really important part of, of what makes a nation successful, and why they're so important, and why they enhance human well-being and flourishing or whatever so right. much. So I think that, that sense of loyalty and commit subjective sense of loyalty and commitment to a nation is actually very important. And, and I think the, the oh, well, I just happened not to it. be born here undermines <laughs> it. NATO isn't it. You know, NATO isn't it. United Nations isn't it. You know, th there may be a case for making some sort of uh, alliance between nation states for a specific purpose. And when that specific purpose is over with, then the alliance breaks up and you, you go your separate ways. But I'm extremely suspicious of when these things continue. NATO, at the end of the day, was created to, to to fight off the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union no longer exists. Russia exists as a private entity. If it has imperialistic ambitions, that's not a good thing. But um, I don't think it's a good... I don't think we help the situation any by, by getting involved, especially when it's nuclear powers that's, that's involved in this thing. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't see the evidence that Putin is the madman that people say he is. I don't think what he did is right. I don't support it. I don't support the invasion. I didn't support the invasion of Iraq. 
So again, it seems to be all right when the West goes around the world invading countries and toppling regimes that they disagree with. But as soon as Russia invades and topples a regime, tries to topple a regime it disagrees with, that's evil incarnate, apparently. Um, maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. I get no idea. It's none of my business. That's the bottom line. I, I think um, I, I think the line that you, you, uh, tr trying to treat every invasion of a country as sort of morally equivalent because the, the actions and the you know, the maneuvers involved are very similar. I think you've got to look at the, the motivation. I, I would say that when it came to Afghanistan, uh, that there was good reason. What uh, was that reason? Afghanistan. With Iraq, I think there's a... What was the know, good reason? The good reason was that the the government of Afghanistan was was knowingly harboring uh, like terrorist training camps. That's that exactly were, what uh, the Russians said when they. That's exactly what the Russians said when they invaded in, uh, Afghanistan. All what, those was years it true? We was did. it true when the Russians said it? All right, okay, Aut automatically, right? Okay. No, no. What, um, what was it? No, no, what, was we, it true? There was a government that was pashed in. Okay. Uh -huh. Everybody, almost everybody that had any influence and, and power in that government, most of the civil service were all pashed in. So we basically went in there and we propped up a tribal government against the rest of the tribes in that nation. Again, I don't know who's right and who's wrong there. I know it was nothing to do with us. We spent a fortune on that war, Richard. And what did we have to show at the end of it? Well, I think the problem is that you can't. Uh, so we should have just the, kept the, the, value, the values within the nation are very uh, deep-rooted. And right. you can't just go along with the institutions of a Western democracy, put them over the top of a very, very different culture. Well, precisely. And expect it's all, it's all going to work out. But is there any situation where you would look at the actions of a country and say, look, that was that was just wrong, what they did there? Well, there's many, uh, uh, there's many uh, instances where I would say that was just wrong. There's people who I know who do things I think are wrong every day. It doesn't mean I go to war with them. Okay, okay. So, let, let's, think, let's think about another uh, hypothetical okay. situation. I mean, let, let's say, for example, in, a, in Norway, yeah. that some crackpot lunatic came to power in, in, uh, in Norway and they started uh, a sort of genocide within Norway. Yeah. And they were rounding up a certain type of people, and they were being killed by the thousands. Yeah. Um, and what would happen in that situation is that uh, NATO, etc., countries would get together and they would say, "What are we going to do about this? Should we right. intervene?" Would your answer just automatically be no? That's the Norwegians' problem. Absolutely. But uh, what about? Well, again, if you want to help, right, to okay, there's, there's other things you could do. Rather than go to war, before you before you before you get to the point of actually going to war, how about saying right, who are these people that are being killed by the millions or by the thousands? Uh, let's say they're just for example, let's say they're Jews. Okay, mm -hmm. what you could say is we will pay you fifty thousand pounds or a million pounds for every Jew that you, you that you let come to the UK, or we let you let go to America, or you just let go anywhere they want. Uh, they would probably be cheaper in the long run than going to war, and it, it could work. So why not try that first? Uh, okay, okay. Why not try that first? Okay, let's say all that doesn't work because right. the nutter in charge just thinks Jews are like a some sort of pollutant yep. on the face of the earth, and it's a moral duty to expunge them. So, so all those methods. Well, they are not do. They, have you hit, Middle Eastern countries kind of have that attitude? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you, you just why aren't we at war with Saudi Arabia, Richard? 
Uh, well, just just saying on this example. So right, okay. there's there's no circumstance in which you'd say right. There's got, we need a military intervention to stop this. Okay. Well, let me turn it around on you. At what point do you say enough is enough? Are you going to go around the world sorting out everybody that you think's an evil dictator? Are you going? What, what are you prepared to? You're going to spend all of your money, all of your nation's money, all of your nation's blood, the best of your people, the best of your young men. The best of your young women are going to die on a foreign soil to get rid of their problems. At what point do you say that is not in our interests? Well, I think that's absolutely the question. That, that, that is the question. Right. The, the question is, which of these situations do you say, right, that is worth intervening? Yeah, and which ones do you one. say it's not worth intervening? Well, well, your answer is automatically, it's never worth intervening. Yeah. Okay, how, how about this? Okay, you're walking, uh, you know, you're walking along by the canal. Yeah. And you see someone fall in. Yep. Right. You, should you rescue them? Or is, or is that none of your business? Well, I don't know. Can you swim? Uh, but assume you can do something. You can get a rope. You, yeah. Um, you can swim, yeah. It is my view, because I have a personal belief system, right? It's my view that, it's my view that I should. Although you haven't told me who this person is. Is it Vladimir Putin? Um, well, <laughs> is it Adam someone, someone you don't know. Right. Someone I don't know. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. I don't think, in terms of uh, secular society, that I have any moral duty. Okay, I think as a Christian, I have a moral duty to, to, to do that. That's me personally. So I would try and rescue them. What I don't have a, a right to do is try and Shanghai you into the rescue mission. By so that's fascinating. So, so if that happened for real, if the people couldn't get it, then that's what we have, like a fire brigade or lifeboats or whatever. So the government, all, I know no, lifeboats is a bad example because that's private, isn't it? Let, exactly. Let's stick with the fire brigade. So we have the thing with the well, fire the brigade. Fire brigade used to be private as well, Richard. Yeah. yeah. All of these, the, 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 getting this right, government creates nothing. It merely assimilates that which already existed in a private form. So do you not like the idea of a of a, a state-run fire brigade then? I don't like the idea of a state-run anything, Richard. I'm a do you know what a libertarian is? Well, I don't know, that's what I'm, what I'm enjoying exploring. So how should the fire brigade work then? Well, it would work it, how, how it used to work. You, you get fire insurance. Okay. Right? And it's, uh, at the end of the day, if, you're, if your next-door neighbor's house is on fire right, and they're not covered by fire insurance, that clearly poses a threat to your house because it will catch fire. There's nothing surer. It will set fire to your house. Then yeah. your fire brigade, you, your insurer insures you and your fire uh -huh. brigade protects you. So it's their yeah. job to come and put out the fire. Okay, so blocks of flats. Well, again, you have to, you, you, I don't, if they can find some way of putting out the fire uh, in your flat and, and not doing it in the rest of the flats that burn around about you, I'd be interested right. to know. They've, they've got to so, kill the fire in order to stop the threat. Their job is to protect you. You're the insured one. Okay, so if you're in a rural area, then it yeah. might just be, you know, your I fire insurance. I drifted is... somewhat off the subject here. But... Well, the have still got drugs to do yet. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> So if you're in a rural area, yeah, um, you just your fire insurance is a lot more expensive, and it takes a lot longer for them to get there. Well, I, I would advise that you make your own fire fighting precautions. That would be a lot cheaper in the end, you know, to, uh -huh. to have a to have some sort of firefighting equipment on yeah. your property. I think that would be wise, you know, uh -huh. sprinkler, <laughs> sprinkler system. You know, I suppose I find this interesting. I sometimes think with the Libertarian Party, people think. 
or you know the, the sort of anti-lockdown, uh, anti-hate speech legislation, th this sort of thing. Yeah, uh, and they say, oh, you know, they're probably, they're quite on your wavelength, aren't they? No, I think, well, well, maybe on those things to some degree, but on these other things, I mean, th these are these are very, very radical points of view, aren't they? Um, well, they shouldn't be. I mean, I don't know what's radical about not, you know, not stealing people's stuff, right? I mean, like the end of the day, in order for the government to provide all these wonderful things that you want, whether it be fire services or ambulance services or teaching or you name it. It has to appropriate the money. The government doesn't create any money. The only money that it has is money that it takes by force from other people. So I don't, I don't see what's radical about saying you should, the government shouldn't be allowed to do that which you and I are not allowed to do. But it doesn't matter if I take money out of your, threaten you, Richard, take money out of your wallet and then I go and put it in the charity tin, right? And you may go, well, that's a very nice thing of you to do, uh, Tom, but you, you, it's, it's none of your business to take Richard's money and put it in the charity tin. So it's not, the government shouldn't be allowed to do what you and I are not allowed to do, which is take other people's money, no matter what the purpose is for. But, but there should be no such thing as government then, as far as you're concerned, surely, because they've got no means of funding. So, so there is no government. Uh, well, you, you, well, not through taxes. You can, well, you can fund it the way you fund any other thing. If you like government, you can subscribe. Right? You'd be a subscriber and you get special <laughs> privileges for being a subscriber. In other, in other words, you can vote. Why should you be allowed to vote if you don't pay in? If you but, don't but then pay the into the system, why should you be allowed to vote and, make, and decide where, where the money goes? But, 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 but then who decides how much you have to pay to get a vote? Sorry? Who decides how much you have to pay to get a vote? No, it would, it would, it would work similar to taxation, only the difference between that and taxation would be it would be voluntary. You would pay it voluntary. Right. Well, who decides the rate that you have to pay? To well, whatever vote? government that you put in. Right. Who put in? Only people right. who pay. Right. Okay. Well, we seem to be at cross purposes here, right? You've, we're talking about in an instance where there's this government. Now, you're asking me, do I want? No, I, I would rather have no government at all. However, the Scottish Libertarian Party retain a minarchist position, okay? Uh -huh. Which means minimum government, military, Police, courts. That's that. That that's it. Bust. Mm -hmm. No, no more. And even at that, on a voluntary subscription basis, America existed for a, over a hundred years on voluntary taxation, which isn't taxation because taxation, by its very nature, is something coercive and something that is put upon you. America survived for the greatest part of its time on voluntary contributions. So uh, yeah, if, 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 and, and if the if the government if the government makes it too high, then people are just not going to pay it, are they? You know, because it's voluntary. Well, well, why should people pay it in any case? Why not just well, be a freeloader? Well, well, you won't be able to vote. Okay, well, people just you know, so what? Well, all right. Well, don't, well, don't pay so, it. So, all I'm saying is, so don't, don't don't expect to have a stake in the game if you don't pay in. Okay, so and, uh, look, not... let me let me put it to you this way, Richard. Right, if I have my individual rights and liberties guaranteed, okay? What care I who the government is? If they can't take my money and spend it on things that I disagree with, what do I care who the government is? Because they don't affect me. If they don't make laws that infringe on in my individual rights and liberties, then it doesn't matter to me who the government is. They're merely a caretaker. They're a facilities management company. It only matters to me when the government does impinge on my individual rights and liberties. And what's okay. worse, they do it with my money. And they okay, do it so with your money. 
So the person who decides not to pay into the government, they say, I don't care about voting. I'm not going to pay yeah. anything. Well, you're not entitled right. to if, anything if that the government might provide. Okay, so if they've got a mad axeman at the door, yeah. the, the police are not going to come. Well, that's entirely up to the police. They're not duty. They're already not. You, you might this might shock you. They're already not obliged to come, Richard. Yeah, but you know that they would. You know that that's what the police do. Okay, or, or would they no, never they, do? They, they, excuse me. I, I've waited an hour. I've waited an hour for a nine 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 call. Yeah, that, 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 that's a red herring, though, isn't it? You know, the principle here yeah. is that. Okay, what, what, what but, is the principle? The principle. The police have no obligation to to, to protect your life. You might find no. that shocking. No, if you get wait a minute, this has been ruled by the courts. Uh You, they have no obligation to 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 protect you. The only time they do have an obligation to protect you is if they arrest you. In other words, if you try to kill me and then they arrest you while you're in custody, the police have now an obligation to protect you. Yeah, up until that time, they have no obligation whatsoever. That's a technicality. If there's a mad axeman at my door and I phone the police, uh, the police would endeavour to get here as quickly as they can and to stop the mad axeman coming up and okay. uh, and chopping people up. Well, okay. I'll, I'll subscribe. I'll subscribe to my own private police force who will come and stop the, the, them from the, the mad axeman. Also, in a libertarian society, I'll be able to blow the, the mad axeman away with any weapon that I choose. You know, I could have a claymore mine at my front door. So the mad axeman oh, in a libertarian right, okay. society. Better be armed with more than an axe if he comes to my house. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, what about the little old lady, a few houses down? She's supposed to have a claymore as well, or if a, she a wants submachine one. gunner. <laughs> she, really? she wants one. Really? Why she, not? She's ninety-five years old. Very she's infirm. Ninety-five years old. Okay. She's got to look after herself. Well, all, all the all the more reason why she should have a gun at ninety-five years old, because she's not going to be able to fend them off any other way. You took wait a minute. She's ninety-five years old, and, I, and an axe man comes to her door. What? Where are the police just waiting round the corner? When seconds count, the police are at best minutes away. What is this mad axeman doing at her door while the police are arriving? Is he just politely knocking on the door? I mean, he's a mad axeman, right? <laughs> he's just standing so, so, so there basically, for the so basically you, you believe that there shouldn't be a, a guarantee of uh, a police force ready to come to the aid as best they can as best they can well their best pretty bad they should try doing their worst that's different though that's aside from the (laughs) principle we're discussing there is there is no guarantee richard that's foolish to say that they would get how could they possibly the the guarantee is that they were going to try they were trying now how how good how efficient the police force is that's a different question i'm talking about agreed the reason why the police force exists and the duty that that it well you you know the function yeah, but, it but again Richard society. I have to remind you what I said some moments ago the, the the state creates nothing it only assimilates which already existed in a private form we had private policing we had uh, private policing exists private military contractors exist right private fire services exist private ambulances exist so. The, the idea that suddenly that be the, people wouldn't be able to get these these services. And, and a lot of these private uh, police forces actually act against people, uh, sorry, in favour of people who are not actually subscribed to them because they understand if that crime is allowed to flourish in that neighbourhood where they do have subscribers, then it's not going to be good for them in the end. Yeah, but then in the end, people think, well, what's the point paying them? So what happens to people who can't afford to pay for the police force and the fire uh, service, etc.? 
Well, what happens to them? generous hearted people like you and me, Richard, will chip in to a crowdfunder so that we can pay for their uh, their their protection. If you really it's, care about so, it. So you're basically banking on people voluntarily contributing. Well, we, something we, something well, roughly we like the rate of taxation at the moment. No, it'd be a lot cheaper because, like, when when you when you who would have thought it when you get a monopoly that you have to pay for whether you enjoy its services or not, then it's then it's more expensive than it would be in a marketplace. Uh, yes, I, I said, yeah, it would be cheaper than taxation, but um, but you really think people are going to give those sort of sums voluntarily, which is key. Yeah, you, you really think people would stump up those sort of sums well, to fund? People did, Richard. We, we used to right. <laughs> Glasgow Royal Infirmary, uh-huh. Edinburgh Royal Infirmary, mm-hmm. seven major hospitals in London, all the good ones, the teaching hospitals, NHS or pre-NHS? Yeah, pre-NHS, yeah. Uh-huh. Pre-NHS, right. Okay. How did that happen without government money? Because uh, that was an era uh, where I think inequality is very wide. You had a lot of extremely wealthy people, and the culture was that extremely wealthy people Provided, you know, they're, they're philanthropists. That that was the, the right, culture, okay. and they they provided, yeah, for for We're people still the philanthropists. So Elon Musk gave seven billion to charity just recently. Seven billion. So do you really think you could abolish taxation and maintain the same level of service out of voluntary contributions? Well, that's 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 really not a, not relevant morally. Let, let, let me put it in the context for you. If you said to me, do you really think we'll get the cotton picked efficiently as much if we abolished slavery? Whether or not we get the cotton picked uh, more efficiently without slavery is not the issue. The issue is that slavery is morally wrong and it's got to go. Taking people's money through coercion is called robbery and it's morally wrong. So even if we didn't do things as efficiently under a voluntary system, it would still be morally preferable. Okay, you said um, when I talk about the person falling in the canal or whatever, you, you said yeah. you as an Still individual. Drugs to go here, by the way, Richard. Uh-huh. You said because of your personal values, you yeah. would feel a duty to yeah. try and rescue them. Okay, if they're the person, so that's a a personal response, a moral responsibility to help the a person in need that you can help. Yeah. yeah. So surely, surely the government, the same moral principle applies to groups of people, and if say. You know, someone fell in the canal and it was a three-man job to get them out and there's three of you there, then yeah. the three of you should get organised and do it. So surely that, that individual responsibility extends to groups of people. So Only it also extends to the government. Richard. So therefore the government also no, has a moral responsibility. No, the government does it through coercion. The government uses coercion. It should be. It's it's voluntary. It, people it's get not together. It's not you, you, it's you mentioned not the royal. You mentioned the royal lifeboats, right? That's a uh-huh. private organisation by uh-huh. people who got together because they all said we don't want people drowning, right? So we'll form this organisation and we'll do it. I've no. I have absolutely no beef with that, and no libertarian has any beef with that. In fact, there should be more of it. Do, right? do you know why the lifeboats work? Do you know why it works? Okay, uh, because t- they're, they're they're protecting people who've got a very expensive hobby. So there's a lot of very rich people who are particularly drawn to do that. Well, now, if, you, if you're talking about, you know, the drugs project in um, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the the poorer part of town, yeah. you might find this different. Just going back to taxi, you said by yeah. coercion. 
if we're in a democracy and the population well, <laughs> elects governments on the basis that they're going to, to charge taxes, mm. then is coercion really the right word? I mean, it is coercion yeah, in the sense that it's not optional. Absolutely. It, right. So 51% of the population right, decide uh -huh. that the other 49% of the population are going to fund their their project, uh -huh. whether they like them or not. Mm -hmm. Are you are you in favour of paying for abortions, Richard? No, really. But, but, the, but the paying for it is trivial. That who pays for it is a trivial aspect. No, it's not a trivial matter. They take no, your know. money and they use it to pay for abortions. Yeah, they take that, that, my money and they use it to pay for drone strikes in Afghanistan. Yeah, I, I think the and you don't you don't have a moral you don't have a moral objection to that. Uh, I have a moral objection to it, but but the the finance side is is a trivial part. No, of it, it's not because without the finance, they couldn't they couldn't keep it going. They yes, need they the could. money in yes, order to pay doctor or, or call them what you will to carry out the operation. Yeah, but under your system, then that would just be well, like this in America, like this in yeah, England. Yeah, but you wouldn't be paying for it. It would it, just Richard. be privatized. I wouldn't be paying for it. If somebody wanted to have an okay, abortion, let, they'd let's pay say, for it themselves. They wouldn't force that me to pay for it. Okay, let's say we we're in that situation in Scotland. Where there was no uh, public funding for abortion, yeah, uh, but people could go to private providers yep. and just pay for it. But I feel yep. that that was a great victory. I would say no, I don't. It's not because, a great victory. They, they, it's better. You're saying it's not preferable to you being forced to pay for it. I, I would say the moral issue. If the moral issue is is like ninety nine point nine, then the who pays for it is is like point one. I mean, it's not absolutely irrelevant, but it's. It's trivial compared to the central okay. issue. Are, are you in favour of the government using your money to teach what it's teaching in schools at the moment? Uh, no, but again, the key... The, so the that's, money that's, that's, issue. So, so, the so money it's a little bit issue. now, it's a little bit more, right? And then, no, no, no. no. I, I would say in schools, I would say even the money is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The money can't be an irrelevance, Richard, because without the money, they wouldn't be able to do it. But, but it's education policy. I believe that it's right for the state to provide education for children. I think that's uh, that's a good thing. Well, and welcome think... to well, welcome to your the world that you've created, Richard. Welcome yeah, to no, the, no, the, welcome true. to the world no, of state education. Do you uh, like I, it? I, I, bad education is not an inevitable consequence no, of state-funded education. No, no, no. There's no good or bad education. There is only your opinion of what is good or bad education. And at the end of the day. If you don't like the way the state is educating your child, and I wouldn't blame you one bit, then it's your job as the adult to take your child and put it somewhere where you, you do like the education. Okay, and I so, think so, it's a disgrace that the government forces people not only to, to, uh, to give them the money for it, but then say, well, okay, we're going to take your money and we're going to educate your child in a way that's detrimental to your child and you. You have no say in the matter because it's not your child that's the no, government. No, you do have a say because we live in a democracy. Yeah. So, so through the democratic process, you've got to influence the school curriculum. Yeah. What if you don't? That's... What if what if through the democratic process, the the the, gov the, the this continues and gets worse? Well, there's the option of homeschooling. There's independent schools. Uh, I, I think that's the better option. I yeah. think I uh -huh. think you're I think you're 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 fighting against something that's. That, but okay, I'll ask you because we're, we're, we're drifting into education here anyway, which is I think is a uh -huh. good thing. But, yeah, what's 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 what is more effective and 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 quicker, Richard? 
for the parents to get their children out of state education now before the... I mean, I don't say the state education system satanic and evil. I'm sure it is. But many of your supporters have used those terms. It's satanic and it's evil. Well, you keep sending your kid to the satanic and evil school every Monday. You keep taking them and shoving them through the door. Your first duty is to, is to protect your child and stop sending it to the state school. Your alternative is, okay, let's see how many uh, MSPs we can finally get into Parliament. So let's suppose you get all your family party MSPs into Parliament. Then you manage to get the opposition on side. Then you manage to get the teaching unions, and I'm sure you know all about them, Richard. Then you manage to get the teaching unions on your side as well and get them to implement your policy. How old is your child now, Richard? Well, my, my son's a, a well, well exactly, underway through but, school. But, but somebody now who's concerned about their children in a state school, how old is that child now by the time you've achieved that, Richard? Even with, a, even with the best ball in the world, 10 years, 20 years? Uh, I think what you're saying is, is quite right when you're talking about someone's someone's own children now. I mean, there are options of withdrawing from various lessons. There's the home education. Uh, there, are, there are specialist schools springing up. There, I mean, independent schools are not much different on, on the whole, but there, there no, are No, because they have schools. to follow a government so, curriculum yeah. to an extent. Yeah, so, so there are, there are options like that that can affect our own children. But this is a longer-term thing. I'm not just thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about everyone's kids. I'm thinking about future generations as well. Yeah. So if something harmful is going on through yeah. the state education system, it's not going to turn on a dime. No. But uh, but you know, you've got to fight it. You've got to try and influence, and that's a long-term, term project. Well, good luck with that. I mean, Martin Luther thought he could fight and influence the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church is still here, and uh, Martin Luther had to eventually just form his own organization in the face of it. So, so I, I'd actually, I, so, so I would I would love to see a, a Scottish libertarian leaflet for the council elections. Because surely it, it can't offer the that the council is going to do anything. Surely it must say, well, if well, I'm elected well, as a okay. councillor, uh, the council what? will do nothing. We'll withdraw right. from no, well, here, everything here's we the can thing. and be on okay. your own. You, you've asked the question, Richard. Here's, here's, here, here's the answer. What, we, what our candidates will concentrate on is, right, we don't agree. We don't like the government, right? But you've got one, okay? And you've got a council, right? Whether we like it or not, it's there. Let's get it. Seen as you, seen as you want one, right? Let's try and get it to concentrate on the basics. Let's get it to fix the potholes. Let's get it to clean up the dog crap. And let's get it to, to, to stick to uh, doing the, the jobs that it's supposed to, rather than getting involved in building, you know, art, uh, you know, art galleries and, and, and anything else. And let's get rid of the corruption out of there as well, the brown envelopes and all that kind of those are the two things we concentrate. Force the, the government that already exists to stick to its remit and not get involved in other things and, and get rid of the corruption in the councils. That's what we're offering. But if you want us to offer you free stuff, no, you're right. We're the guys who are not only not going to give you any more free stuff, but the free stuff that you are getting, we're going to do our best to take it off you because it's not free. Somebody pays. So and that this include, is why we're in the situation we are now. So that would include all benefits? Uh, well, we wouldn't start there, but it, eventually it would. We would start with, with with corporate welfare. We would start with government handing out money to big corporations and businesses that don't need it. Let's have a means tested system to start with, of where we can we can offer. But I don't see a problem. I don't see an issue with having uh, privatized uh, welfare. Okay, if so, you so give... if you were the if you were the first minister 
of the extremely, extremely small Scottish government that you created. You're probably yeah. operating from your house at your laptop. Yeah. So it's, it's exactly the way you want it. Yeah. Okay. If you heard that you know, there was terrible poverty, people weren't able to feed themselves as they're living in terrible conditions in such and such a part of, of Scotland, yeah. what, what would you do? I would, would you, uh, provided I provided that was that was the case, and you're just not throwing the word poverty around like they, they do these days. Uh, but actual poverty, I mean, the people scraping around in the, the rubbish for food or whatever. I would organise a massive crowdfunder and a campaign that I would pay for with my own money. And people like yourself, Richard, who are clearly concerned as well about poverty and the churches and everybody else who flaps their gums about poverty and says that they care about it, I would get them on board and get them to pay for uh, privatised welfare. But would you be happy with the fact that there's going to be some people who never contribute to that? They're just going to be some free people leaders. never contribute to the tax system, Richard, because they well, never these, work. Are, these, these are people that are very wealthy. Well, that's entirely up now. to them. That's entirely up to them. I don't have to associate with them. I don't have to agree with them. I don't have to support them. Um, but it's entirely up to them what they do with their money. So, so if you've got some very wealthy people opting out, yeah. the people left are surely going to be putting more in to reach the same <laughs> That's standard. sounding like some commie gobbledygook here. But anyway, <laughs> it's not communism. It's, it's, what, what, to it's, say that it's we should take rich people's money <laughs> off them, right? It's the whole political spectrum, apart from right, a tiny okay. little bit at the end. <laughs> anyway, it's uh, it's almost 10 o'clock. Right. That's been, a, that's been very, very enjoyable and very lively. You must come back on because a lot of I'd other love things. to. I mean, because we, we never even we never even got into drugs, Richard. For goodness sake, that's, no, we, we didn't. That's, that's the one drugs. everybody gives us a kicking on, you know, especially uh -huh. especially the paternalists. Uh -huh. What else do we have? Um, oh, the online safety bill. We never got there either. No, Cash it's a bad society. thing. <laughs> uh, you, you, you must come back. That's been a been very lively. And all those people who think Scottish Family Party and Libertarians, why don't you just merge? Because surely you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they can. Uh, they can think again. <laughs> well, I think we agree in some things, Richard. So we should, I think in terms of the everyday political issues in Scotland, we probably agree on... Yes. In, in terms of, if you look at a bill that comes to Parliament, is it good or bad? We'd probably agree on, on yeah, almost probably. all of them. And at the end of the day, in a libertarian it. society, Richard, you'd be left alone to organise your own society the way you wish to, without interference from the government. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, well, thank you very much. Okay, thanks for watching, everyone, uh, watching live and watching later. So if you're interested in being a council candidate, email chairman at scottishfamily.org, and we'll see you next week. Right, thanks, Tom. Uh, <laughs> sure enough, his logo there. Right. Okay, good right. night. Thank you. Good night, thanks.